very tricky. And this is where the employer is down to the employer and management teams to actually decide whether that person fits the hybrid model, whether that working role fits the hybrid model, because it's, it's square peg round hole, isn't it? I mean, it has to it has to fit the purpose of the job. It has to fit the job role. It has to fit the person who's going to be doing that job role. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. I'm pleased to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let Lodge Court deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly routine package that is right for you and your people. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Today, I have the pleasure of Sarah Jane Black. Uh, Good morning to you, Sarah Jane. Good morning, Julian. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, You are an award-winning business improvement specialist and the founder and owner of SB Business Supports, where you support and deliver solutions for businesses and sole traders uh, on compliance, accreditation and training. And today, we're going to be exploring hybrid and flexible working uh, some of the issues that, that come that conjures up and some of the ways that we can help organization move to that or or em- embrace it and also help them facilitate that in a real positive way. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that conversation, uh, Sarah Jane, I'd like to ask you, what do you love about what you do? Uh, I love what I do because it makes a difference to people. Um, and ultimately, everything I do results in a safer environment for all. So whether that's training, whether that's compliance, whether it's accreditation, health and safety, whatever it is, it encompasses a safe working environment for everybody. That's fantastic. And you've been doing this for a number of years, haven't you, in terms of what you Uh, do? My consultancy on and off for about 17 years. Oh, yeah, long time. (laughs) That's fantastic. And and, and we're talking hybrid working, flexible working, which we know has been a it's birthed even more so in the last uh, three years since the pandemic. I know it's flexible working has always been there. It's just not been embraced and, and we were forced to embrace it. And I'd just like you to get your experience, your observations of, of hybrid working and flexible working you've noticed over the last uh, number of years uh, and just, just see what you, your, your thinking have been on it from the observation. Well, I think we can all talk from experience. I certainly can talk from personal experience of the hybrid model. Um, uh, that's going from um, there's two different sorts of models when you come to talking about hybrid, and we'll probably talk about those a little bit later. But for personal experience, I've gone from being um, in an office with people and then total isolation at home alone. Um, and the wall doesn't talk back. So it can be um, isolating in that you miss the people, you miss the collaboration, you miss an opinion. Um, And that in itself becomes hard. And then obviously we've gone from being forced upon, uh, everything forced upon us. And we've gone on to the Zoom world and the Teams world and the virtual world of, you know, not just walking around 
chatting to our friends on mobiles. We're now having corporate meetings online. And they're, yes, they have made the working world adaptable, far more flexible, but there are some major drawbacks with the whole hybrid model. And I'd like to explore that because I think often people talk about all the, the positives and there is a lot of positives. <clears throat> we know that. But I'd like to just look at the drawbacks, negatives, and then what they are, but also how can we help mitigate some of those? Because obviously it's all very well being pointing out the problem, but how can we then help solve that with um, potential listeners who now probably most people are choosing to be hybrid, flexible, a whole mixture of stuff going on right now. And there is some negatives for it. Um, so that would just be good for you to, to explore that a little bit, Sarah yeah, definitely. It's it is quite highly controversial now, and it seems to be top trend on most people's list of to dos or to be aware of and to talk about. Um, it has forced a massive change and a massive gap in gender equality, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge out there. Um, and from from my own opinion quite sad because we've spent so many years trying to reduce that uh, gender gap, that quality gap. Um, and subsequently, hybrid working has made um, a bit of a difference there. Um, it's doubly hard for a woman in a hybrid working space. And that will be determinant on the type of hybrid working model you'll use. There are two there's a fixed hybrid model and a flexible hybrid model. And the flexible hybrid model is where um, employees are sometimes co-located, whereas the fixed model is you're always located, so you're always at home. Um, the solution is to have in life a little bit of everything, um, so a mix but where we've got the problem with the um, equality side of it is, as I said, the fixed hybrid model. And it's actually the percentage out there is 79% of men against just 37% of women um, have said that there's a positive experience from working in the hybrid model. Um it's it's I mean you've what's got the what's the underlying issues with that? What why are issues caused through gender what, what what's well the we've got driving we, we've got 52.7 percent of the workers in the uk are in fact women anyway so you've got that statistic to con to consider overall but what actually happens is there's more chance of a toddler coming in and doing a cameo on a woman's zoom meeting than there is a gentleman's um more often than not women when they've got their five minutes away from their screen because they're, you know, you're thinking of the health and safety of, of um, your display equipment, you come away and most men will just come away and sit and probably read something, but a woman will go and put a wash on or um, they'll be scheduling their parents in for their, for a doctor's appointment or something like that. So it is absolutely, it's been, it's been studied that women will continue to do the scheduling of families, the scheduling of the children to or from school. Um, they'll do the washing. They'll also be expected to still make the dinners. Um, and that has um, been 
exclusively known that actually the um, equality gap has got bigger because of it. So hence you get more women who want to actually work in the hybrid setting because it's easier for children, but you'll find that more women get burnt out because they are doing the home and work life all wrapped up in one. Yeah, because I'd see that the whole flexible working, and that's not, not should we assume that the woman is always the, the main carer, but at the moment it tends to be the main carer. In some cases, it's the other way around. And I guess the flexible working, you know, where I've experienced or I've been aware of is it works well that they can drop their kids off at school and, you know, do little errands and stuff. It, 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 and it helps the holistic sort of well-being. But you're saying now that because women – and I so intensify this, tend to do more outside the sort of rest times, I guess, offline and continue to keep going, which effectively means they're, they're burning out. That, that's that's the issue here, is it? Yeah, burnout is the issue. Um, you also find that women, once they've done their work or if they've if something has gone over and above, so, for instance, if you've taken the children to school pick them up for school and there's been something else that's delayed your journey or something something's just happened in life so you've you've dipped into an hour you'll find that women will more often than men go back to their computers in the evening and work rather than a male a male will sit and probably do the odd uh, email via his telephone but a woman will actually go back into the environment for two or three hours of an evening because there's a sense of guilt there um and all of these have come from studies it's not just it's not just me saying that so so if that if that's sort of, sort of what the sort of what we're getting in terms of studies that women are burning out women are there's sort of an issue with the sort of the quality of it all as a, as a, as employers who have a, a duty of care with their their employees employees sorry um how might they help and assist and facilitate their staff not to i guess do that what are the sort of things we can sort of build into the models or the practices of of working at home and flexible working um if done well um it is it is a very very good form of work, an absolutely brilliant uh, model of working. But there's things that we can do um, to make life better for all, um, and it's about having an exclusive society, isn't it? It's about being inclusive and collaborative thinking, um, and making sure that all of those all of those um, ideas that people have are collective but they're written down so they become a policy, they become a process and that people um, work with them. Um, so many people write policies um, out there uh, and there's so many uh, business owners who don't actually know what's in their policies, which I find absolutely very, very scary. Um, but to have a hybrid working policy is, is critical now. Um, and even more so than that, I think one of the scariest statistics I've come across so far on the hybrid model is 92% of, of businesses still do not have an exclusive pay structure policy for hybrid workers. When you know that the hybrid working model is growing extensively, that in itself, when you've done all this hard work, on trying to get pay structures to be equal 
is astonishing to me. So it's about policy, about process, making sure that everybody is inclusive. So because there's more study out there that if you're on a Zoom call or a meeting on, on virtually, then women more often than not do not feel that they have a fair voice. So it's making sure you're regularly contacting all of those people at Hybrid Working. Okay. And before you even put them into play, to make sure that you've got your contracts of employment that include that. You've looked at your business insurances, because not all business insurance will cover hybrid working. And also, if you're in rented a property, you've got to actually check with your landlord that you can work from home. Mm. And a lot of people won't know that either. So once you've got the person in the hybrid space, make sure you've got the policies and make sure you've done your risk assessments. I think this has been the biggest problem that I've come across and the biggest challenge for all. It's been very, very good and absolutely great flexibly that we might have our business in Hampshire and then we um, employ someone hybrid in, say, Edinburgh. But then what happens? about the risk assessment how do you know that they're sitting correctly at the right height how do you know they're only doing their so many hours a day and how do you know their equipment is safe there are so many parameters that have got to be considered mm. which are being lost in the ether let's put it that way so not going into <clears throat> into policies as such because I, I don't want us to get into all that and, and no. in terms of run but in terms of you know, going to the example of of the sort of women who are potentially at a burnout because they're, they're doing all this work and and just filling everything with with work and other activities that are not helping them have a break. How can we, besides just saying it's in the policy, you must do it? And we know that that's not. There's more than that. How can we sort of create, I suppose, a culture and environment that prevents that? Really, what 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 have you observed? What have you noticed? What is your experience of some organisations you've worked with that have said they've embraced the hybrid working model and doing it in a really good way and just understanding what some of the things they've done to help embrace that, besides just writing the policies. And it's more than that, isn't it? It's much more than that. Yeah, they've been actively involved. So what they do is I, I work very much because of what I do um, on the uh, PDCA model, which is Plan Do Check Act. And the the companies that are doing it right are the ones who are regularly monitoring those people who are working in the hybrid workplace so they're regularly speaking to them they've even made a conscious effort of perhaps once a month or once a quarter going out to them rather than the person being expected to come to the office mm. you know it has there has to be a two-way street here so they've gone out to the employee, they've checked their equipment, they've checked their working space, you know, they're not still cross-legged on the sofa um, and all those sort of things because you'll get into the realms of claims of employees causing long-term stress, anxiety, backache, neckache. So the regular monitoring of the person and off just literally off pat ringing them up off pat speaking to them virtually um not always have a constructed or oh, we're going to meet at 11 o'clock because 
we're human beings. You know, if we know we've got a meeting at 11 o'clock, we plan it. We're there, we're ready, we're conscious. But sometimes if you get so, if you ring someone up or you just automatically put out a Zoom and say, oh, we're going to meet in 10 minutes, people won't be ready. They won't be planned. And then you see people for them for their reality, their real selves. So you'll see whether they're stressed out there. You'll see if they haven't been organized, all of those things. And employers that do it right um, are proactive in their approach. They will have a plan. And then they will have another plan just in case that plan doesn't work. So always have a plan B. Um, And then they become an inclusive culture. An inclusive culture is will produce and increase that equality too. Um, and it doesn't matter where we are or, or how we work or what we're doing. Um, hybrid isn't for everyone, but if it works for your business, it has to be done right. Because otherwise, you have a duty as an employer, your employees will be unhappy and they will leave. Mm. Um and the the whole model is about having a flexible, sustainable, and safe environment to work in. Yeah, and how do how do we balance that? It's interesting that going to people's homes, and I, and I think there's some some merit in that. But how do we balance that um, interaction, engagement, but also privacy? Because obviously, our home is is our home, isn't it? A sense of privacy. And I know a lot happened in COVID that you know people came a lot more aware of people's lifestyles and uh, children and and in some way there's some real positive stuff came out that's all i didn't realize you had two children because they were running around behind you um how do we balance the the privacy bits of your own home but also that trying to be you know helpful and engaging and everything else that's a tricky one isn't it very tricky and this is where the employer is down to the employer and management's teams to actually decide whether that person fits the hybrid model whether that working role fits the hybrid model because it's it's square peg round hole isn't it i mean it has to it has to fit the purpose of the job it has to fit the job role it has to fit the person who's going to be doing that job role and like i said for all it's not for all industries you can't it's very very rare to have manufacturing or construction but hybrid workers Mm. um because it just doesn't fit But a lot of um, people in administrative roles, which are actually critical to every business, um, they're the ones who are at home. They're the ones who are hybrid working. And more often than not, they are women. Um, You you know, you do obviously men are also in that environment too. Um, But everyone, if they're not careful, no matter where they're working, will have burnout. Everyone has forms of – and places of isolation but when it comes to the privacy of your home as long as you have placed a plan in put a plan plan in place you've got your organization that you know what the expectations are of the organization as well as of that person who's doing that job role it's about matching and that's where recruitment has to be right as well so many um times we recruit people and they don't fit the role that's down to a recruitment process Mm. so that's where it it all starts with matching the right person for the job role and whether that job role fits the hybrid Mm. model yeah no and i think it's 
it's important to as as things start to evolve uh, to understand that in terms of how we recruit, who recruits, is a role valid as a hybrid uh, position as well, um, and then maintaining that sort of um, I guess thinking always in terms of moving it forward, and just just looking looking to the future. What's your view? How things are going to start to evolve uh, with the hybrid working? How do you see it going? Anything you think be more aware of as we as things start to unfold in the next sort of 12, 18 months? Um, I think that it's it's definitely not going to be going away. It has become a norm. I don't like that word very much, but it, that just seems to be part of the way we're working. Um, you there are pros and cons in both. You've got the fact that it's going to rise. If the energy crisis is going to continue, then employers will find different ways of working. And sometimes it's cheaper for them to have people working from home. Um, you've also got um, other industries and and other things that happen. I'll give you a story. I met at an event just late, lately, um, a lady who was a lawyer from London, and she was forced, as a lot of us were, in the pandemic to work from home. Um, and she suffered burnout. So now she's decided that she's going to go back to the office or full time. And I think there will be an element of people who, because they were forced into it, they haven't adapted well. They've come back out the other side and they've said, well, actually, do you know what? I'm not sure if my employees are going to do their structured working day comprehensively or well. But that's also down to the monitoring again. It all goes down to monitoring and making sure that you're the person who's going to be in the hybrid model is working productively and safe. Um, just, and just I, on that, just on that monitoring, it's, it's an interesting approach. Monitoring, isn't it? Suddenly, monitoring mm -hmm. means I'm being watched. I'm being checked if I'm doing my work uh, and you're talking more about monitoring their are they doing too much and more the burnout but there's there's a flip side isn't there where you know people have the you know little green dots on the various apps that tell you you're actually actively working on your pc and if you go away for more than five minutes it it, it turns whatever amber red all that sort of stuff yeah um which People say, "Oh, they're not. What are they doing? What, what, you know." And obviously, sometimes it's good to step away and do stuff, write things down, think things through. You don't have to be on a laptop all the time. How can we have a, a healthy approach to monitoring? Because I feel sometimes when people do work in in a home position, they feel this sense of guilt. They have to be working all the time, and we Thank know you. in reality, when you're in the office, you know you'll do you'll obviously do your work, but you'll get up, go make a cup of tea, go and chat, and suddenly you you. 15 minutes have gone. You've been away from your lab. Somebody says, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, they're just making a cup of tea and they've got to chat to somebody else. And that's normal, very normal. But if you were at home, mm -hmm. got up to have a cup of tea and you know, started chatting to your neighbour or your, your 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 wife, your husband, whatever, you feel guilty about that. And think, oh, I'm not going to go back to So how do we create, a, I suppose, a healthier culture with that whole monitoring uh, mindset? Well, for every hour, really, uh, uh, when you're in front of a computer, whether that be a laptop or a fixed computer, every hour you should really come away every five minutes. That is health and safety guidance. So that's one. Number two, on the monitoring of people at home, I, I personally think that there are so many lovely pieces of software out there that we can monitor people 
actively working at their computers. You've just mentioned one with the, with the you know, the RAG system. Um, I think a lot of it is about education and training. And also there is a massive element of trust when you are in the hybrid model and you're working at home. Um, and it's about people's well-being. So I think the well-being factors have to be um, looked at far more than they would if you saw someone coming in the office. They're still there. They're still apparent. But when you're physically seeing someone working and they're in the office all day, it's very different to when they're sitting at home. They're on virtually. They may be on for 20 minutes or an hour and then you don't see them the rest of the day. It really does depend on your industry and on the person. And that's why that match is so incredibly important to get right. Mm. It really is. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. And I guess it's, I suppose it's trying to think of, and I've I've talked to a lot of companies where they, they focus more on the results that the individual does rather than the what they're doing if you know what i mean it's the yeah. output or the, yeah. or the result of what their outputs and therefore <clears throat> whether they are monitoring their online all the time or not if they're getting the results they're supposed to get uh, in the way they want to get them that's all they're interested in and i think there's you know far more in terms of a management point of view a better way of approaching then then you get then you don't feel you have to be glued to your laptop and just looking at a laptop permanently because i know Using an office context, you are not. You are wandering around a lot more uh, as well, which I think is yeah. better for you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I quite regularly will wander around for five, ten minutes just to stretch my legs and look out the window and just just go for my well-being rather than just staring at a screen yeah. all day long. So, uh, I think it's an interesting thing as, as things evolve, uh, evolve, and and the whole sort of hybrid. And, and I'm sure we'll, we'll learn. But is there any other sort of just before we finish, any other sort of advice or tips that you've observed um, in terms of ha- making sure that hybrid can really work well for an organisation? Um, planning. It, it all comes down, I would have said, to the planning. Um, and right from the offset, before you've even employed that person, make sure that you've really investigated the hybrid working and then it fits that job role. Mm. Um, because you've then got to fit the person to that job role. And once you've done that, that you've then got to make sure you've done your monitoring and that they're happy while they're doing it. Mm. And and you'll find um, that a lot of people who go for a hybrid working job that say three days in the office, two days at home or vice versa are better off with the mixed hybrid, the flexible hybrid, and they're better off from a work-life balance point of view, um, but where it has its higher risk is when it's full hybrid. So going forward, I would have said the biggest benefit is to make sure it's always mixed, always have a plan, make sure everyone is happy on the onset before you even go down the road of actually throwing that person into that work Mm. and then constantly review it. Yeah, and I think it's 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 trying to you know I've got an organ um, I worked with a client who were remote first, which is I guess everything was remote, and then they would meet and with the client sometimes in person, sometimes online, but they would create 
moments quite regularly to connect uh, in person, you know, in terms of co-working mm-hmm. spaces. And <clears throat> I think that's really important as well uh, to try and sort of mimic some of that interaction that you would get in, in an office environment, because uh, that's where a lot of the nuances you don't get quite on a on an online meeting, but you get in the office uh, context or in-person context. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important as well, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, and you and I met through networking. I mean, that's a fine example, isn't it? Bringing <laughs> yes. everyone together, you know, exactly. of this, you know, do your away day. So it's another great one. And mm. the other one I will say is, you know, do a virtual quiz night or something like that outside the constructive working day and inc- make sure everyone is included. Mm. Give everybody the same opportunities and the same choices. Yeah, no, that's important. I think that's another one, another conversation, another time. But that whole making sure that somebody who's in the office more doesn't get the uh, more impact or influence versus somebody who is not in the office as much, depending on on their roles. Everyone Um, has to remain visible throughout. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for your insights, Sarah Jane. Thank you for sharing that. If people want to connect with you and get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn or on my website, which is www.sbbusinesssupport.co.uk. And if they do it by email, it's sarah at sbbusinesssupport.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like this episode, then please rate, review and share it with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, I coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions, and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation. You can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Hold up. 